1: On, folks, it's my take radio episode 45 for Thursday, June 3rd, 2010. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2, Friends of Fury. The artist was Vertex Guy, V E R T E X Guy, G U Y. You can download that or any of the other intro music that we've used in previous episodes at OCRemix.org. The letter O, the letter C, Remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324. Three, five, four, one. All right, let's get into some housekeeping first. Uh, the forums have been a little quiet this week. I have had uh, copious amounts of work, so I have not been able to dedicate enough time to creating new topics and new subjects in the forum. Nonetheless, uh, Bob, Bronx, Ant, and most of the other forum regs have done a great job in holding down the fort. Um, if you haven't joined or you haven't been by in a while, definitely stop through, join in on the conversation. Lots of crazy stuff is going on in there, um, especially if you're a Street Fighter fan or if you're a fan of some of the other stuff that doesn't get enough attention on the show. Stop by the forums and check it out. It's mytakeradio.com slash forums. Um, new posts, of course, have been on the site a lot this week. Uh, you got new stuff from Handel. He wrote a really excellent wrestling post this week. If you get a chance, stop by and check it out. If you're a wrestling fan and, of course, share your commentary, I'm more than sure he'd love to hear what you'd have to what you have to say my fiance also wrote an article on Burn Notice that I enjoyed thoroughly just because I'm a Burn Notice fan but if you're not watching Burn Notice and you're on the fence about it definitely stop by the site and check that out i definitely think you'll enjoy it in addition to that the facebook fan page has had some really strange numbers as of late it's got it's gone up from 130 to 131 to 135 then back down to 130 I don't know if it's people quitting Facebook because of privacy issues. I don't know if it's, you know, just people not enjoying the constant amount of posting I'm doing from the fan page. Um, The fan page, as always, is just another outlet to reach out to listeners. If for any reason it gets a little out of hand or you feel you're not getting the content that you so richly deserve as listeners, by all means, uh, let your voice be heard on the Facebook fan page or send me an email directly – and state your concerns if there are any and we'll try and address them as best as we can. Otherwise, just you know, hide the My Take Radio Alerts if they're clocking up your timeline. Before I get into this week's show, I wanted to talk about um, an incident from last week. Uh, from last week's show. We had a caller, uh, Mike, who does a show on the Blog Talk Radio Network um, regarding wrestling. Uh, really nice guy, had a lot to say about wrestling. But um, a couple of things came to light after his call and after his request to be a guest. Um, In an effort to always make the show my take for the fans, um, I try not to hide anything from you guys, especially when it's show-related. It seems that Mike the Caller, like I said, had some great insight on some wrestling. Um, But two things ended up coming out of his request to be a guest. Um, Sometime during the episode last week, there was some trolling going on in the chat um, by a user uh, going by M Squared. M Squared ended up being Mike the Caller, who ended up being Mike, who hosts a show on Blog Talk Radio as well. Um, Needless to say, it made things a little awkward in our exchange via email and his request to be on the show. I feel that he definitely knows his wrestling. Um, Wasn't a fan of the fact that the show was being trolled we kind of settled it like adults. Um, Of course, he is under consideration to come in at some point if he wants to discuss wrestling or to call, but um, if he's listening, Mike, look, you want to call in, you want to talk wrestling, definitely call in during the wrestling segment if you want, Uh, share your thoughts, and you can be heard in regards to being a guest. You know, we'll iron that out, like I said, via email, and you'll know about that in the next few weeks. Um, Definitely something that a lot of people got caught off guard with last week. Um, they, weren't, um, they weren't annoyed by it, but, you know, the, definitely the trolling of the chat threw off the whole dynamic. Everybody plays pretty nice in there, and, you know, we're all adults here. We self-police really well. So, you know, if you want to be heard and you want to be a guest, go through the proper channels. Don't troll the chat because the chat is being modded. The forums are modded. Everything is moderated. Just because I'm not constantly looking at the screen doesn't mean that somebody else isn't. So please, by all means, let's make it an enjoyable environment for everybody. And regarding that, that'll be the last you'll hear about me and the chat and the forums or any of that policing bullshit that, you know, you have to reserve for five year olds. Also, of course the forums are moderated and like I said, I I'm pretty liberal with the forums. I'm not A real stickler for some stuff. The the rules are in the forum. If you're unsure about posting something, please refer to the rules or send me a PM and I'll let you know if you can post it. I'm not a tight ass like MySpace or any of that. There's certain things that I will draw the line on, but it's got to be really serious. So with that being said, that's pretty much going to sum up the housekeeping for this week. Um, Here's a rundown of some of tonight's topics. Definitely got to talk UFC 114. it was crazy from start to finish, from the hype to the fights. A lot of things went down that I want to discuss. want to talk about this week's Ultimate Fighter because it's pretty much spilled over from the show into Twitter, into a lot of articles and a lot of back and forth. Definitely worth discussing. Um, there's some other news for casting for the Ultimate Fighter 12 regarding coaches. Um, George St. Pierre and Josh Koscheck will be your coaches for that season. Um, some strike force news. I'm going to talk a little about WWE Raw a little bit about NXT, we're going to talk about Natal, E3, some movie news, some superhero movie casting news, some Transformers shit, Um, Tales from GameStop returns this week because GameStop never ceases to amaze me with their fuckery. Um, It's not really a rage-worthy story, so to speak, but just the, 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 the shenanigans that go on in certain GameStops and certain locations just boggles my fucking mind, so we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, On a total unrelated topic, I want to just talk about two other things that got my attention. Of course, it's no secret this shit with BP that's going on, and um, I received some photos via Twitter about stuff that BP doesn't want you to see, how the oil is killing all the animals and shit. Look, I, I I don't try to talk politics, it's not really my strong suit, but... You know, when you spill oil in your driveway or you empty oil out in your street, the Department of Environmental Protection is up your ass. You usually get a ticket, you get fined, you get dragged into court, and all this oil is leaking all over the fucking place, killing animals and dolphins and birds and fucking pelicans and shrews and all kinds of shit. And everybody's hunky-dory about it, especially from a law enforcement standpoint. And it just really disturbs me, especially I've had a couple of goings on this week that were, you know, that aren't show material, but just in regards to laws and how people should be handling them, you got fucking oil leaking into the ocean, killing everything, fucking shit up. And the government's like, you guys are doing a really bad job, BP. You guys should really clean that up. There's nobody getting brought up on charges. It's just a lot of scolding. You know, like when you accidentally put a metal object on the stove and it melts. You know, the handle melts on a pot and your mom yells at you. That's the equivalent of what's going on with, uh, with BP and our government. And it, it really is shitty. And I really try not to watch the news and, and fuck around with that stuff because the news nine times out of ten depresses the fuck out of me. And, you know, there's a lot of depressing shit as it is. I don't need to see other people's depressed problems fucking me up, too. But nonetheless, this BP thing is really out of hand. Um, The government needs to do more. BP needs to stop fucking trying to MacGyver the shit and figure something out. I think they cut the pipe today and they're supposed to be putting a cap on it or some shit. I don't know. Why don't don't you just send Bruce Willis and the guy from Armageddon down there and drill a fucking hole and make a movie out of it? Something. Something more than animals dying and me having to look at uh, a a dolphin covered in oil on the side of a fucking road by a beach. It's just disgusting, but... That's my little rant on that. I figured I'd share it with you guys because you, know, you guys tune in every week to hear my bullshit. But uh, nonetheless, let's talk some MMA. This past weekend, we retreated to UFC 114. UFC 114 was highlighted by the light heavyweight fight between Quinton Rampage Jackson, who was also B.A. Barakas in the A-Team, uh, for those non-MMA fans, and Rashad Evans. Uh, the winner would be getting a light heavyweight title shot against Shogun. Also on that card um, was originally going to be Griffin, um, Forrest Griffin versus Nagara, which ended up being Brills versus Nagara. I'm just going to go through some of the cards because I just want to discuss a couple of things that, uh, you know, I liked and I didn't like. Um, first off, I want to talk about John Hathaway and Diego Sanchez. That was a welterweight fight on the card. Diego Sanchez was making the move from 155 back up to one. 70. Um, He fought John Hathaway, who was a really good opponent. John Hathaway pretty much put a, I wouldn't say a clinic, but definitely um, nullified Diego's wrestling. He had a strong performance all three rounds and ended up winning via decision. A lot of people, including Dana White, were saying that Diego Sanchez should have stayed at 155 at lightweight. You know, He could have made his way back up through the rankings and got another rematch with BJ Penn but um, moving up to 170, while, you know, it, it, it's good from a competitive standpoint in terms of, you know, better matches and just a better fit, it seems that Diego fared, would have fared better at 155. Nonetheless, it was a solid uh, performance by Hathaway. It definitely put people on notice that this kid is the real deal, um, you know, from England. The guy, the guy really impressed me. He's 12-0. Diego now is 21-3 and 3 overall. John Hathaway won by unanimous decision. I personally would like to see Diego back at 155. He, he had a really great run in the division. He had some really exciting fights. And I think that after BJ's loss to Frankie Edgar, you know, BJ's vulnerable. I think that Diego definitely would have had a shot on a rematch with BJ Penn, especially now that, you know, he kind of learned from his previous mistakes. And the fact that BJ was a better opponent doesn't necessarily mean that you can't win a second, you know, on the second go-around. Nonetheless, you know, Diego is always a good fight, but Hathaway definitely um, showed me something with his performance this past weekend. Uh, the light heavyweight fight, as I was saying, was between Jason Brills and Antonio Ruggiero Noguera Now, everybody pretty much expected Brills to go in and get soul raped by Nogueira. Unfortunately for most people, Brills came in ready to fight and put on a clinic. He pretty much um, established ground dominance. He, he worked good good stand-up, and everybody pretty much thought that the fight was in the bag and Brills was going to win. It turns out that Noguera ended up winning by split decision. Um, personally, I felt Brills took the first round and as well as the second, and Noguera definitely did a little better on the third round just because, you know, he did a couple of sweeps and there was some ground and pound from Noguera. But the fact of the matter was Brills, to me, won that fight I was really mad that the judges ruled um, for Nagara but the fact of the matter is that, and Dana White says it all the time, you never let it go to the judges. But Brills definitely impressed me, this kid. He took the fight. There was no grandstanding, no bullshit. He went in there and he took care of business. Um, unfortunately, he ended up losing, but nonetheless, he did a good job, and he opened my eyes as well. So I'll be watching Jason Brills closely also. Um, the heavyweight fight between Mike Russo and Todd Duffy was another fight I was looking forward to. Mike Russo, um, reminded me a lot of Roy Big Country Nelson in terms of body type versus Todd Duffy, who, you know, he's pretty much like a mini Brock Lesnar, you know, very athletic. He was 6-0 and going in. Um, Duffy did a great job setting the pace for round one and two, just great stand-up, great stand-up. Out of nowhere, though, in round three... Russo drops Duffy with a right hand and Russo ends up winning by KO. It's later it was it's later revealed that Russo was even fighting I believe with a broken hand as well. So definitely not a good look for Duffy. Um Duffy's still a solid dude, but sometimes you got to get that one loss to get the monkey off your back and you know, he can move forward. I think he had a lot of pressure going into this fight, you know, with his, you know, with one of the fastest KOs at 7 seconds being 6 and 0. Oh, being compared to the likes of Brock Lesnar and a lot of these bigger, newer heavyweights. I think that Duffy had a lot of pressure. I think that this loss, though, will ground him. It will help him step his game up. And, you know, he just got caught with a flash KO. It happens. Um, Another fight I enjoyed was Melvin Gillard and and Waylon Lowe. Really good fight from Gillard. Gillard continues to impress me. I'm going to be watching him closely because he was just great. And I'm a big fan of his. He's had a lot of hardships, but he's bounced back really well. So I'm hoping he continues, and at some point we see him in some lightweight contention. Last two items to discuss, the middleweight fight with Bisping and Miller was really good. Bisping won by unanimous decision. Um, Bisping was working the stand-up consistently. I'm surprised Miller didn't really go in for the shot and take it to the ground. Bisping tried to keep it as as much standing as he could, and Miller pretty much obliged him. Uh, Great performance by Bisping, and puts him right back in there as somebody you've got to watch in the middleweight division. Uh, There are rumors that Bisping wants to fight Vanderlei again. We'll see if that gets to happen. But nonetheless, I'm a fan of Bisping. A lot of people boo him. Um, I don't know why. The guy's a hard worker. He's a great fighter. Got a lot of charisma. But shit happens, you know. Um, Last but not least, Rashad and Rampage. Let me tell you, I was super excited for this fight dropped my 50 bucks. UFC got 90 bucks out of me for this month, you know, for the previous pay-per-view and for this one. Super stoked. The UFC primetime special had me fucking excited to see some black on black crime. I thought Rampage was going to go in there and just do some serious damage. His demeanor between the weigh-ins, his walkout, the face-off, I'm like, this is the Rampage I remember from the Pride days. He's going to come in there and do some damage. But Sadly, that was not the case. As soon as the bell rang, Rashad caught Rampage with a a right hand, which stumbled Rampage. Then it was pretty much Rashad working his ground game in round one. you know, he got a takedown. He uh, worked the body. He really used a lot of wrestling this time. He didn't dance around and tweak his nipples like an asshole. He actually went in there and used his strengths, which is wrestling, and he did a good job in round one. Round two... I was holding out hope at one point. Rampage ended up catching Rashad, and he went in there, and he tried to finish it via ground and pound. But I don't know. I just got the vibe that he was tentative, like he wasn't as hungry. Later on, of course, in the post-fight interview, Rampage said that ring rust was a factor. You know, a lot of people asked him if the weight cut was 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 a problem. But it ended up being Rashad winning by unanimous decision. I was totally fucking bummed. Uh, Rashad is going to go on to face Shogun What happens now Who knows, I mean, Rampage There were rumors that the studio Was giving him shit for taking the fight Because he has to promote the A-Team movie Rampage and the A-Team cast will be on Raw This upcoming Monday Also, Rampage was Dealing with ring rust from being a year off Right now, all signs are pointing towards Rampage and and Machida next I don't know if the winner of that Is going to get the winner of Evans And Shogun, but Overall, I was just, it was so overwhelmingly awesome, the build-up, and it just fizzled out. I was really pissed. Um, like I said, as a Rampage fan, I really expected the fight. Even if the fight would have ended with a KO or something more than just a decision and the shit going to the judges, I was really bummed. But hey, what can you do? That Sometimes that's the way it goes. It's, it's really a lot of hype, a lot of hype, and the shit falls flat. Yeah, we'll see where we're, we'll see what happens with Rashad and Rampage. Um, of course, there was a lot of respect being given at the press conferences, but Rampage continued to kind of play along the fact that he still dislikes Rashad. He actually even said, "You know, I respect him, but he can still kiss my black ass," which is fine. You know, I expected no less from Rampage. Um, again, we'll see how it pans out. I think Rampage versus Machida should be interesting. I'm hoping he he gets that ring rust taken care of. I have to give credit to him working with Mike Dolce for cutting the weight. He cut a lot of weight really fast. They did a really good job with the Dolce diet, so definitely props to Rampage for getting in shape, but that ring rust, he just couldn't stop. So that's how that ended. With that said, let's get into this week's Ultimate Fighter. The Ultimate Fighter, of course, last week it was said that um, Tito would not be able to continue because, well, he'd not be, he's not going to be able to fight Chuck because of a neck injury and the, re- the requirement that he needed surgery. As such, um, let's talk about the first fight, well, the quarterfinal fight, which ended up causing a shit ton of problems today. Uh, The quarterfinal fight was between Josh Bryant and Jamie Yeager. Pretty much uh, the recap, I'm just going to go through it briefly. Josh and Jamie locked up. Um, Right hand stumbled Jamie Yeager. For the rest of the round, Jamie kept Josh at bay with inside leg kicks. Josh came out with the last 20 seconds or so with a flurry. He dropped Jamie Yeager. It was um, definitely me personally, I gave the round to Jaeger 10-9 just because he, he did a good job of keeping Josh at bay and he was working the leg kicks. But um, nonetheless, second round started a little slow. Josh came in. He uh, he got a takedown. Uh, Josh was landing some hammer fists and then they get back on their feet. You can tell that Jaeger was starting to gas, but he was throwing some leg kicks and knees. But Josh got side control. He got a crucifix in the final minute. He was just raining down some punches when the line ended, when the uh, when that round ended. You could tell that Yeager was totally gassed, and he laid on the mat for a while between the second, and it ended up going, uh, it was going to go to a third, but what ended up happening was Jamie Yeager didn't answer the call for the third round, and the fight was stopped. So Josh Bryant wins by TKO in round two. Um, Chuck, of course, threw in his little comments. He said that he quit just like Tito. Uh, Tito walked off saying that Jamie Yeager's a pussy Jamie Yeager gets thrown you know taken into an ambulance blah 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 at which point later on in the show um, Tito basically gets fired from the ultimate fighter and as such Rich Franklin is brought in to replace him Um, Tito Ortiz ends up coming back later on saying goodbye to the team Jamie Yeager comes back to the house he said that he had some muscle damage and um, he said McCray tells him that people are pissed that he didn't come out for the third round As such, you know, Rich Franklin comes in. He's your coach. He's going to be fighting Chuck Liddell in the upcoming uh, UFC 115. The semifinal fights are going to be Brad Tavares versus Court McGee and Chris McRae versus Josh Bryant. Um, Next week, you're going to see Rich Franklin's assistant coaches and Jamie Yeager continues on his uh, continuing trend of pissing people off in the house. Now, how this affects what's been happening today Pretty much, Jamie Yeager went on Twitter allegedly and made some um, some negative comments about Tito Ortiz. Um, a lot of people from the MMA community, bloggers and such, pretty much said that you know you didn't answer the bell, blah blah blah. They gave Yeager a hard time. Yeager's management said that the commentary about Tito was made from a false Twitter account and that he didn't that the only account he had was at Jamie Yeager. The secondary Twitter account and his Facebook page didn't belong to him. Um, fellow Blog Talk Radio host Turk from MMA Gospel Radio ended up putting a bit of a, 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 of a buzz to that rumor just because he said that him and Jamie Yeager interacted via Facebook, and they even referenced conversations that they had when they met face-to-face. Shit is getting real crazy. I've got to give Turk credit for stepping up and calling it like it is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, he can have that one account, this, that, and the third, but if Turk put up a screenshot, which he did, acknowledging that they had been in conversation back and forth, somebody's talking a lot of shit. It's real unfortunate that it goes down the way it goes down, but Jamie Yeager didn't answer the call for the third round and definitely did not make him look good. Um, His rationale for doing so, I don't know. Um, Tito leaving, like I said, puts a bummer on things, but I've also said that, Tito will fight again in the UFC, and him and Chuck will settle their issue. I definitely want to see what Franklin does with the last two fights, how well he can coach them, and we'll see how it develops. I mean, overall, the season, like I said, solid from start to finish, it just hasn't done enough to capture my attention personally. With that being said, let's talk about some other MMA news. Um, in a recent interview, Joey Beltran confirmed that he's going to be fighting Matt Mitrione at UFC 119, Mitrione, of course, is coming off his victory over Kimbo Slice, and Beltran is coming off his victory over Tim Hague via unanimous decision. There hasn't been any announcement made for UFC 119 as of yet, but Joey Beltran did confirm that he will be facing Matt Mitrione next. At the UFC Fan Expo this past weekend, Matt Hughes was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Matt Hughes, age 36, began his career at UFC 22. Um, He holds multiple UFC records, including the record for most wins inside the octagon with 17. He was the third ever UFC welterweight champion and defended the title of record seven times over two title reigns. He holds wins over George St. Pierre, BJ Penn, Carlos Newton, who he beat twice, Matt Serra, he's beaten Hoist Gracie, Renzo Gracie, Frank Trigg twice, and Sean Shirk as well. Um, Despite that, Hughes is, continue, is continuing to put in work. He's going to actually be fighting Ricardo Almeida at UFC 117. Definitely props to Hughes. Um, I never liked him at, in terms of personality, but he was always a solid fighter. Definitely well-deserved, and congratulations to Matt Hughes for being in the UFC Hall of Fame. So money got given out after UFC 114. They got a couple of bonuses, which turned out to be $65,000. Not a bad, not a bad chunk, chunk of change for a nice work. KO of the night went to Mike Russo for his KO victory over Todd Duffy. He got sixty five grand. Submission of the night went to Ryan Jensen, and fight of the night was Jason Brills versus Antonio Ruggiero Noguera, which was definitely well deserved fight of the night for sure. Um, Dana White was asked after the fight about you know what his thoughts were on Noguera versus Brills on the decision. When asked, he said, I thought the decision was bullshit. He goes, Listen, we're always in this position. I'm no fucking judge, but I thought Brill's won the fight. You, can, you can't leave it in the hands of these judges. You always hear me saying that, and guys keep doing it. Can't argue with Dana White. He's 100% right. Um, overall, I think that Brill's definitely showed that he can hang with the best of them, and Noguera, Noguera is beatable. This definitely puts things into perspective. Uh, hopefully, when Forrest comes back, he'll get his shot, and maybe Forrest will be the one to do the job. Um, the UFC 114 payroll information was released by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, the total payroll given out was $1.3 million. Rashad Evans ended up winning 430, getting $435,000 for his victory over Rampage, which included a $185,000 win bonus. Quentin Rampage Jackson got $250,000 um, for that fight. Nagara... Got a hundred and twenty thousand dollars for his fight with Jason Brills, which included a forty thousand dollar win bonus. Now here's something crazy: Jason Brills taking the fight on short notice made eleven thousand dollars versus the hundred and twenty that Nagara made. That's some real crazy shit. But, um, hey, amen. That's a that's that's some awesome money for for these guys that got knockouts in the first round or early submission victories, and they're taking home you know over ten thousand dollars for Three and a half minutes of work is definitely good. It makes me, makes me feel like I'm in the wrong line of work. But what can we do? The Ultimate Fighter Season 12, of course, is coming up next with uh, George Rush St. Pierre and Josh Koschek. Um, MMA Junkie posted that the assistant coaches for each fighter have been announced. Josh Koschek's assistant coaches for the UFC for Ultimate Fighter Season 12 include um, uh, Javier Mendez, um, AK's head trainer, Crazy Bob Cook, of course, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, Dave Camarillo, is also joining him. Um, for George St. Pierre, he's going to have uh, John, damn, I can't say this guy's name, John Danaher and Sean Williams. He's going to have uh, Muay Thai specialist Phil Nurse, which is uh, a fucking no-brainer. That guy's a problem. And, of course, Farah Sahabi is going to be there, as is uh, Charles Skarbowski, he's going to be, well, Jean-Charles Skarbowski is going to be there also to assist with the Muay Thai. GSP did make um, a, a bit of an announcement in the regard that he was going to say that he's going to bring in training partners from Greg Jackson's MMA as well to supplement for onset coaching, and he also said that he will also be training for his fight along with the fighters. So definitely a great con- concept for sure, but um, the fact of the matter is that these are some great coaches. I think that the... Uh, Shit-talking is going to reach epic levels. Kostek has gone on record as saying that um, I think I bring something different to this show than the previous coaches because it's about personality. I bring a lot of personality with me and my group. I'm super excited. And I can't disagree with him. Kostek is is definitely uh, a shitload of personality. It's going to be weird uh, watching him talk shit to the always soft-spoken George St. Pierre. But nonetheless, something I'm going to be looking forward to come September. Um, MMA Fighting recently reported that Jens Pulver was released by the WEC. Little Evil was hoping to stay on board in a broadcasting role, but unfortunately Dana White made the decision that that will not be the case. Jens Pulver was 0-5 in his last five fights, and he's been finished in the first round in in the last in, in four of those losses. He last competed at WEC 47, where he lost to Javier Vasquez via armbar in the first round. Definitely real unfortunate, Little Evil is a Great asset to the sport of MMA. It's unfortunate that he's on this, on this losing streak, but I'm more than sure he'll bounce back, and he'll be back soon. Yeah, anything else of note? Ah, yes, UFC's 115 countdown will debut June 10th on Spike. For those of you unsure about that card, uh, Chuck Liddell's going to be fighting Rich Franklin. Pat Barry's fighting cro Martin Kempman's fighting Paulo Thiago. Ben Rothwell and Gilbert Evil. Carlos Condit and Rory McDonnell are on the main card. Mac Danzig, Mac Danzig and Matt Wyman are on the prelim card on Spike, as are Evan Dunham and Tyson Griffin. In some strike force news, uh, Fedor versus Verdoom is going to be taking place June 26th at the HP Pavilion. That's going to be live on Showtime. Uh, Fedor will be fighting Verdoom. Also on that will be the featherweight title with Cyborg Santos fighting Jan Finney. Kung Lee is also going to be on that card fighting Scott Hands of Steel Smith. I think it's Hands of Stone. I always fuck up his name. And Josh Thompson was going to be fighting, I believe, Lyle Beerbaum, but unfortunately he's not cleared to fight, so he will be fighting Pat Healy. Um, K.J. News was supposed to be fighting uh, Crazy Horse, but unfortunately it seems that there were some personal issues with Crazy Horse and he had to withdraw, so K.J. Nunes will be fighting Connor Hune, and that will be for the June 16th. Strike Force event, which will also air on Showtime. Fights on that card are Robbie Lawler and Babalu, and that's going to be a catchweight bout. Uh, Zorovskis is going to be fighting Evangelista Santos, which is Cyborg's husband. Uh, Tim Kennedy is going to be fighting Trevor Prangley, and of course, KJ Noons and Connor Hewan, which hasn't been confirmed yet by Strike Force. UFC 117 is starting to come together as well. Anderson Silva and Cheo Sonnen is 100% official, as is Matt Hughes and Ricardo Almeida. Junior Dos Santos and Roy Nelson are rumored for that card, as is John Fitch versus Tiago Alves. Dustin Hazlitt and Rick Story are on that card. Um, Ben Saunders, Clay Guida, and and Johnny Hendricks, of course. Nonetheless, I'm hoping that this card, with the fights that are rumored to be taking place, does come together exactly as that, because these are fights I definitely want to see. UFC 117 is going to be August 7th out of Oakland, California, on pay-per-view. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back and talk some wrestling and uh, take any of your calls if you guys call in. I'll be back in a few. Hey, everybody, this is Donnie Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, and I'm here with my daughter, Sophia, who has a very special message for all of you. Sophie?
2: <gasps> Listen to Tumbling with Tumbleweed, or my daddy will kill you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
0: I will. Live Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network.
1: All right, and we're back. Let's talk some wrestling. Um, this past week, of course, Monday Night Raw, was with Ashton, with Ashton as the host. Um, before I get into it, i got to say, there's really a big mixed bag in terms of, of hosts for Monday Night Raw. You get, you get guys that come in there and they're solid from start to finish. And then there's guys that come in and they gotta have their hokey little comedy segment, which fucking look. Ashton Kutcher's a a funny guy, but you know him coming in with his little farmhand shit and uh, it it just didn't work this week for me. I personally felt that it could have been a lot better overall. Though the wrestling was much improved this week. Um, r Truth fought Chris Jericho for a United States uh, title match. r Truth ended up winning. Um, definitely a good fight, over a uh, good match overall. Um, Truth is really coming into his own. I'm not too sure about Jericho challenging for the U.S. Championship when you know he's a guy that should be challenging for the heavyweight title on a consistent basis. Nonetheless, I'm more than sure that their feud in terms of mic work will be really good, especially from Chris Jericho. Um, we saw some mixed tag action with Santino and Eve versus Maurice and William Regal. Um, definitely just. An advancement in an angle with Kozlov who ended up turning on Regal. Um, Definitely interesting. I want to see how that plays out because Maurice ended up walking out with Kozlov, so I don't know where that's going to go. But definitely interesting. Um, They continued uh, their issue with The Miz and Daniel Bryan. That actually came to a head this week. Daniel Bryan ended up winning. I'm definitely enjoying uh, the Daniel Bryan angle with Michael Cole. I think it's the only way that's going to help him really cement his legacy with the fans. I mean, the fans love him already, as do the Internet fans. I'm a big fan of Brian Danielson myself. Um, But I think his program with Michael Cole and The Miz is definitely going to be something that's going to set him apart from everyone else. Also, we got an introduction to the Uso family, which is composed of Rikishi's two twin sons and, of course, the daughter of Jimmy Superfly Snuka, who is feuding now with the Hart Dynasty. Definitely... um, looking forward to the matches between these three uh, particular athletes. I definitely am looking forward to uh, seeing how well Rikishi's sons fare in the WWE. It's really crazy, and it's really come full circle, and I feel really old when it was just yesterday. I remember Rikishi um, confessing to running over Stone Cold Steve Austin and his feud with The Rock and, you know, giving people the stink face, and here we are a few years later and his two sons are in there tearing it up and just makes me feel really fucking old. Nonetheless, definitely looking forward to these new generation of competitors from all these really great wrestling families uh, to entertain me and hopefully future generations to come. So looking forward to that. Um, Next week, the A-Team is going to host Raw, including Rampage. I have a feeling they're definitely going to try and get Rampage to do some sort of physicality with somebody from WWE. I don't know who it may be or if they're going to let him do it or if the UFC is going to step in as well, but it should definitely be interesting. Overall, like I said, the wrestling was solid. Um, The skits were shit. Seems to be the, the trend as of late with Raw in particular. Sometimes the skits are great, the wrestling is shit, or vice versa. Nonetheless, with that being said, NXT also ended this week, and the new season of NXT was announced. The winner of NXT of this first quote-unquote season uh, was Wade Barrett, who I assumed was going to win just on the basis that he had the right look. He is, uh, he's, a, he's a credible big guy that they had to the roster, and they also took the opportunity to announce superstars for season two, including Mr. Perfect Son, who you'd think would be carry, carrying the name Hennig Unfortunately, they gave him the name Michael McGillicuddy. I don't know why they did, they did that. Um, you know, Mr. Perfect is Kurt Hennig, period. His son is Joe Hennig. That, the, the gimmick writes itself. To give him a name like Michael McGillicuddy is like the stupidest shit ever. It's like the most lamest stuff. It sounds like a name they give you when you're a witness protection. All right, John, your name's going to be Michael McGillicuddy from now on. You know, that's the kind of, it sounds like some bogus-ass name. Um, In addition to that, they also announced that Caval, who is also known as Senshi, also known as Low-Key from Ring of Honor, was going to be on season two. Um, His pros, for some reason, are Layla and Michelle McCool. I don't know how the fuck they plan on doing that. Uh, Mark Henry is also going to be a pro on the upcoming second season. Um, Overall, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing how Caval and Mr. Perfect's son Unfold in season 2 of NXT And I also want to see what happens With Daniel Bryan Not a bad outing For the first quote unquote season of NXT But definitely left a lot to be Desired overall but we'll see how Season 2 plays out in the next few weeks In some other wrestling news um, If you've been watching TNA As of late You'll see that it's Eric Young Kevin Nash and Scott Hall as the quote unquote Band and you ask yourself, where's X-Pac? It seems that X-Pac was on the Cowhead Show in Tampa not too long ago, and he admitted that he had hepatitis C, which is the reason why he was unable to be at the TNA pay-per-view. He also talked about a suicide attempt that he did in Mexico, where he was stopped by uh, former WWE diva and storyline sister of Ken Shamrock, Ryan Shamrock. Really crazy how that played out. It's, it's really crazy how all these old guys are just on a downward spiral. Um, X-Pac having a hepatitis C, um, I don't have the breakdown of which hepatitis is the most um, fuck, which is the one that's, that you can get from another person. My words are all fucked up. I apologize. Nonetheless, I don't think X-Pac should be wrestling, especially if there's any sort of blood matches or first blood matches or any sort of blade jobs. Keep him away from that shit with a 10-foot pole. Um, If you want to let him wrestle, by all means, wrestle at your own risk. I honestly feel that the band stable should just not exist. I think that Kevin Nash is better suited either as a singles wrestler, a color commentator, or just as a as the big guy that watches out for the little guy. He'd make a great manager and a mouthpiece. Even if the guy is smaller than him, just because it adds that, you know, I'm going to get big Kev to whoop your ass type mentality. So really unfortunate the downward spiral that um, X-Pac is in, but shit happens, man. Um, In regards to the upcoming Fatal 4-Way pay-per-view, it seems that The Undertaker is another one to join the list of WWE superstars that are injured. It seems that The Undertaker suffered a broken orbital bone during his SmackDown match with Rey Mysterio last Friday night on SmackDown. It seems that the injury occurred when Rey Mysterio did the seated senton on The Undertaker. Um, They're saying that right now it's 50-50, but odds are that Kane or Rey Mysterio may be replacing The Undertaker in the Fatal 4-Way pay-per-view. I believe it's going to be Rey Mysterio taking the slot, but I don't want to spoil SmackDown this week for anybody, so... Um, the Undertaker is out of action. Um, the Hollywood Reporter re- recently put out that Chris Jericho is going to be hosting a new game show for ABC called Downfall, which is going to debut June 22nd. Pretty much the concept, it sounds a little crazy, and if this is it, man, this sounds really fucking boring. It seems that contestants are going to try and answer questions while on the roof of, a, of an L.A. high-rise. It says... Uh, they also added something that says the largest conveyor belt ever seen on TV will send six potential winnings, cash and prizes, the player's personal possessions, and even friends and family over the side of the building. The show has been picked up for a six-episode run and will air after Wipeout. Sounds interesting. I'm really not a big game show guy. I mean, the, the, if if the game shows that I watched were pretty much Double Dare, and Legends of the Hidden Temple and old shit like that. When I was growing up, I don't watch any modern game shows. I mean, the closest thing to a game show I watch now is The Iron Chef. So, nonetheless, sounds interesting. May check it out just for reporting purposes for the show, but not something I see myself watching. June 28th, Raw is going to be coming from Philadelphia, PA. For those of the for those listeners that are in the Philly area, um, Rob Zombie will be the guest host that week. Originally, it was scheduled to be Khloe Kardashian, but it seems that that wasn't 100% confirmed, so they ended up going with Rob Zombie instead. We're going to get into some video game news, but I'm going to open it up with Tales from GameStop right after this commercial break.
2: BornStuffinRadio.com. That's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He
3: digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. BornStuffinRadio.com.
1: Rat bastard. Ah)
2: It's BornStubborn.com We're just over here chilling It's all fun and games BornStubborn.com Come on over and check it out Show me
1: to the Pantini
3: pom- I was going to mention the Pantini
1: <laughs>
3: Explain the Pontini to people that don't know
1: It's a very delicious drink but we must warn all the men because, should you take one sip of it, your penis will fall off. It is gay. All right, and we're back. I actually, that's weird. The switchboard actually didn't play the commercial all the way through. It stopped the commercial, it replayed the commercial. I don't know. Please, Block Talk Radio, please work for the remainder of the evening. Nonetheless, let's get into some game news. First off, two more maps for Lost Planet 2 are going to be coming out sometime this week. Map pack number two is going to be containing the Dockyard Battle, the Frozen Wasteland, and they will be available or are available as of June 1st on the PlayStation Store and as of yesterday, June 2nd, on the Xbox Live Marketplace. Um, the Dockyard Battle maps, you're going to get 16, player, 16 multiplayer matches in the factory, and episode four of Frozen Wasteland is going to bring the Snowy Trenches as well. Uh, the map pack is going to run you 5 bucks or 400 Microsoft points. I actually fucked that up. I was supposed to start with Tales of GameStop. I apologize. Nonetheless, let's talk a little bit about GameStop this week. Um, usually once in a while I will wander into the large mall surrounding my office building and proceed to wander into GameStop. Not really with an intention of buying anything, as just to see if occasionally you run across a retro video game or something of, of really unique value that you can pick up. It doesn't happen often, but... It breaks the monotony of a one-hour lunch break. Nonetheless, I walked into GameStop this week, browsing around. Um, Seems that you know nobody was in there at one thirty or whatever. And the guy says to me, he's "Like, hey, um, you need any help with anything?" I'm like, "No." He's, um, "Do you need to pre-order anything?" I'm like, "No, not really." He's like, uh, "Well, we just started taking pre-orders for the for the Natal." I'm like, "Really?" I'm like, "How much is the pre-order?" He's like, "Oh, ten bucks." And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, "Dude." you do realize that this hasn't, A, formally been announced yet, B, no one knows how much it is, C, nobody knows when the fuck it's coming out. Yeah, there's speculations, rumors, hearsay, yada, 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 but it's not coming out anytime soon. Why am I going to give you 10 bucks now? He's like, yeah, well, you know, we started taking pre-orders on it. I'm like, well, no thanks, not interested. Then he says to me, he's like, hey, um, what about Marvel vs. Capcom 3, um, you know, we're taking pre-orders on that, so I'm like, dude, that shit doesn't come out until, like, late 2011, no, I don't want to fucking pre-order that, I asked, and then, you know, instead of being a totally complete douchebag like I usually am to GameStop employees, I decided to take a different approach this time, I said, hey, man, you know, can I ask you something, why the fuck are you asking me about shit that's either rumored to be coming out, not coming out for two years, yada, 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 he's like, look, and, you know, the guy pretty much broke it down. To me. He's like, look, man, you know, it sucks. I hate doing it, but we've got to do it. It's, you know, part of the thing where we have to, you know, boost numbers. I'm like, all right, I understand that. I asked him, you know, have they already started talking to you guys about the, uh, you know, the reward zone program? And he's like, yeah, they've been hammering us with it, and pretty much we have to offer it every time you're in the store, every time because that's going to be something that's going to be affecting our totals as well. And I said to them, I'm like, dude, but don't you think that the rationale behind the Reward Zone program fucking sucks? I told them, I'm like, the free program is the most enticing part of the program. Then you guys come with this $14.99 bullshit, which justifies me getting that rag Game Informer and all this other bullshit and all these little exclusives. I'm like, dude, if you guys are going to rip off Best Buy, why not just rip off Best Buy completely and not try and add your own unique spin on shit, which ends up fucking things up. He's like, yeah, man, I know a lot of people are saying that it's horse shit and this, that, and the third. And I genuinely felt bad for the guy because, you know, we have a shitty economy. The job market sucks, and I understand that, that a job's a job. And the guy really, he, he pretty much turned me around. Usually, I think that most of the guys and girls that work in GameStop are fucking soulless zombies that are part of the corporate machine. This guy actually seemed human, and he was like, look, dude, I'm sorry, it's just some shit I have to do. It wasn't like usual where, hey, man, you want to pre-order this game? No, I'm not interested. You sure? You know, if you come in, you're not going to be able to pick it up. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, I got that uh, two weeks ago when I didn't pre-order... What the fuck didn't I pre-order? Some shit. And the guy's like, yeah, well, you're not going to be able to walk in and buy it. And I, and I laughed because I'm like, you're, oh, when Alan Wake came out. And I'm like, dude, you're so full of shit. I walked into the store like two weeks later. What was behind the glass counter? On release date, tons of copies of Alan Wake, which, of course, are separate from the ones that are reserved. And people were just walking in, can I get Alan Wake? Did you reserve it? No. And they had to sell it to them. It's like, at which point do you justify the bullshit where... I have to pre-order something, and it's going to guarantee I get it. Do they not realize that they're not the only game in town? You can go to Best Buy, you can go to fucking Target, you can go to Walmart, you can go to fucking Chico's Chop Shop, you can go to fucking corner bodega if they sell games and pick up a game And without a fucking pre-order. The incentives for pre-orders have become utter horseshit, too, and I really was going to talk about this in detail next week because of some, of some stuff I've been hearing but I'll get into it a little bit. It's like, pre-order this game here. You get a free car. Who gives a shit? With the UFC game in particular, if you pre-ordered it from GameStop, you got, um, I believe it's Big Country and a couple of other guys. If you are pre-ordering it from Amazon, you got something different. If you're pre-ordering it from Target, you'd get like a $5 gift card. It's total horseshit. It's like, how about I pre-order it or I don't, and you include the same shit regardless? There's, it's really no incentive. I think that games are going to sell regardless. All these little uh, enticing things that they, these little nuggets of information they put out there are total shit. I mean, Best Buy. I didn't. I pre-ordered Darksiders. I remember because you got a statue of War. That's why I did a pre-order. And you know what? It was something tangible. It was something decent and unique. It wasn't a fucking little car or a sickle or some crazy weapon that's probably already in the game. No. It was something tangible that I can put on my desk and it looked kind of cool. Interesting conversation piece. Pre-orders are loads of shit. That's what they are. They're really just excuses for them to get a little money out of you before they get all the money out of you. It's like, you know what it's like? and this is just my analogy for it. pre-orders are like getting your prostate checked. Uncomfortable on the way in, but definitely enjoyable if done by the right person. That's what pre-orders are. Because if pre-orders are done right, you, you, know, you have no problem plunking down five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, because you're getting something cool. When you're forced into a pre-order, so to speak, it's a real uncomfortable feeling. When I got forced into the pre-order for UFC, 2010, because of the allure of the, of the veteran fighters that were in the PS3 version and all this shit, I said to myself, I, I said to myself, this is going to be bad. And it was. It ended up being me not getting it on the PS3, getting it on the 360, and enduring yet another frustrating experience at GameStop. So the moral of the story, I guess, is that not all GameStop employees are fucking soulless vampire money-sucking zombies. That's the moral of the story for Tales of GameStop this week. Nonetheless, let's get into some other video game news. For those of you that are Pokemon fans and you collected all the Pokemon in Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver, you're not going to have to wait too long for the next DS game. Pokemon Black or AKA Pokemon Chris Rock and Pokemon White, AKA Pokemon M M&M, and M, will be available in North America in spring of two thousand and eleven. On Black's cover, you're going to see the legendary Pokemon re Wow, this guy's name, Reshiram, while White will feature Zekrom or Zekrom or Zyklon or whatever the fuck its name is. I'm sorry, Pokemon fans. I know I'm fucking up the names. I'm fucking sorry. I don't play this shit. Um, Pokemon, of course, legions of fans, millions of minions, thousands of soldiers that got to catch them all. Nonetheless, you'll be able to pick them up spring 2010. There's already been some photos leaked out of the two Pokemon. I was going to post them on the site. I may actually just post them on the fan page unless Slick wants to write an article about those two particular legendary Pokemon. Nonetheless, spring 2011 is going to be the day for you, for sure. Nonetheless, let's get into some PlayStation 3 talk because it seems that the PlayStation 3 is trying to do a whole bunch of crazy shit between their E3 allegedly PlayStation Premium or PSN Plus service, now we're getting rumors that you're going to start seeing PlayStation 3 games in 3D. On June 10th, gamers in Japan are going to be getting 3D graphic upgrades for Wipeout HD, Super Stardust HD, and Pain. Of course, the first two games are going to get a free update, being Wipeout and Super Stardust, but the 3D update of Pain is going to cost 300 yen, or the equivalent of $3.20. You're going to get an update of, the update's also going to include two challenges. Obviously, the games will require a 3D-compatible TV and stereoscopic glasses to see the visuals. Also note, of course, that the release dates are for Japan only, and Europe and North American releases will shortly follow. Other games that are scheduled for 3D updates include Motorstorm Pacific Rift, Little Big Planet, Gran Turismo 5, and Killzone 2. Now... I'm all for PlayStation releasing 3D titles. I'm not a fan of the fact that you've got to pay an extra $3 to play a 3D version of a game that you may already own. I own pain. So let's say, for argument's sake, I had a 3D TV and I had a pair of ridiculous glasses that made me look like Stevie Wonder. I would then go and want to play the 3D version of the game and have to lay out $3.20 more. Once again, Sony fucking people in the ass. Look, it's $3.20. It's not the end of the world, but it's the fact that two games are getting a free update and you have to pay for 3D on the third. It's ridiculous. I want to see what happens when Motorstorm and Little Big Planet, Gran Turismo and Killzone get the updates. Are you going to have to pay for those too? It's like, look, microtransactions are starting to get really out of hand, and the fact that I got a 3D TV and to enjoy a game I may already own I have to pay more money. Is a load of horseshit. So, definitely, fuck you, Sony, for for the moment. Also, in keeping with a little bit of E3 news, Rockstar announced that they will be skipping E3 this year. Instead, they're going to show off Max Payne 3 and La Noire at their own demonstrations, um, which you know, are of course, are going to just be Rockstar sanctioned events. Um, the Rockstar spokesperson said to. CVG. In the end, we feel we simply don't have enough time to show as much as we would like in the time available. Of course, they're saying that, you know, they pulled another game that they were going to show at E3, but it seems that the rumor is unfounded. As of right now, Max Payne 3 and L.A. Voir are the only two games that were allegedly scheduled for E3. Um, here's the thing. E3 is great. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of great news and a lot of great technology and a lot of awesome games that are showcased. But the worst part of E3 is what happens after the fact, which is a lot of the shit they show you is usually video demos, tech demos, very, very few bits of gameplay. It's like basically a giant, let's show you what we're have to offering, but guess what? You can't touch it. You can look but you can't touch. Indulge, but don't touch anymore. No, you can indulge in what we have to offer, but you can't, you can't see how it plays. And that bothers me in essence because you're, you're showing all this cool stuff which looks good, and then when you finally play it, not all the time, but in a lot of instances, it's shitty. Or it's not how it looked at E3. The, you know, this happened with Killzone 2 where, you know, the tech demos were beautiful, and don't get me wrong, the game came out and it was just as good, but the demos and the gameplay were not the same. So, while I love E3 and I, and I enjoy what it stands for, there are certain little things that I definitely have to call bullshit on for sure. So, Rockstar skipping E3, I wouldn't say it's the worst thing ever, but I wouldn't say it's great either. In some non-related but semi-related game news, Apple announced that the iPad has sold over 2 million units worldwide since its launch 60 days ago in the U.S., the tablet thus far has been released in Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Spain, Switzerland, and in the U.K. That means that the iPad has more than doubled the sales pace of the original iPhone, which took 74 days to reach a million units. Nine more countries are getting the iPad in July. Now, why am I discussing this in the gaming section? Simple. The iPad, of course, is a, uh, is a all-in-one device. You can game on it, you can read books on it, surf the internet on it. You can't watch nothing with Flash, of course, but nonetheless, great little device. I really enjoyed it. But the fact of the matter is that console, especially portable handheld markets, need to take notice that people are going out there and buying these super quick. You've got 2 million units gone in 60 days. I don't even think some consoles move that fast. The fact is that Nintendo and Sony really should be keeping a closer eye on this because eventually it's going to get to the point where good games are going to start being available on the iPad with the larger screen. I'm not saying it's going to be shit on Mario levels or on on GTA levels, but it's definitely going to start improving, especially as the hardware improves in terms of Apple's offerings. I'm particularly concerned because it's 2 million units for a device that for all intents and purposes, is a giant iPhone. I like it, I, you know, I have an iPhone, but I got to call a spade a spade. The shit's a giant fucking iPhone that you can read books on and stream shit on it. it it's cute and it's, it, it's, and it's nice, but it really is a giant iPhone. I got to call it like it is. And the fact is that I play games on the iPhone. I play fucking Street Fighter 4 on the iPhone. And Slick can definitely vouch for this. Street Fighter 4 on the iPhone looks pretty good, for a game that's being played on a cell phone. And this just continues to show that advancements like that are gonna definitely be affecting portable gaming in the near future. So definitely something to take note of that two million iPads are out there and PSPs have never even scratched the surface of those numbers. So just just a little nugget for you guys to take into consideration down the road. Um, In non-EA news, it seemed that NBA 2K11 from 2K Sports, which is coming out October 5th, is going to do something brand new. So I, I, I personally think it's cool. Michael Jordan will be on the cover. But not only that, you will also be able to use Michael Jordan in gameplay. So definitely cool. I mean, for years, Michael Jordan hasn't been able to be used in a lot of the NBA games because he had a, a separate licensing agreement from the other players. And as such, his likeness wasn't used in many games. Um, It was used in NBA Street, and it was used in a handful, and I think it was a small handful of NBA titles. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with him in NBA 2K11. Are you going to be able to put him on a team? Is he going to be something where you can have legends play? Definitely interesting. I would have actually been happier to hear that Michael Jordan was an NBA jam when it comes out for the Wii, but, hey, I'll take what I can get. Michael Jordan is a legend, and... Not for nothing, it may actually make me want to pick up a basketball game. Not purchase one, but just pick one up as a rental or something, just because the play as Michael Jordan is definitely going to be a, uh, a bit of reminiscing for me from the old days when I used to play games looking for him and trying to create him to be in a game. So that's pretty cool as well. In some Natal news, besides the fact that there's been leaks of what the unit looks like, it seems that Joystick has reported that Sega's working on a version of Sonic Riders called Sonic Free Riders that will be using the Natal controls. Um, The game is reported to have players move their characters with body movements, weapons will be able to be picked up by reaching towards the screen, and you'll use arm movements to attack players. Um, It's been said that when it releases, it's going to be a digital download from the Xbox Live Arcade. As of right now, there's no rumors, there's no confirmation from either Sega or Microsoft. But rumors are that you will be able to see it at E3. So... With that being said, E3 is shaping up to definitely be uh, quite the event with possibly a a new PSP, possibly the Natal, but it gets better. Rumors are going rampant that you may actually see Hulu on Xbox Live as well. Um, There's been rumors that Hulu has been leaning towards doing a pay model or a paid subscription service. I think that adding it to something like Xbox Live would be cool. I mean, I use my Xbox Now to watch... Uh, stuff on Netflix, and I think the inclusion of Hulu is definitely a step in the right direction in making the Xbox the center of your home theater, so something to, to watch for sure. I mean, all that's left is for YouTube to be um, accessible via Xbox Live, and the world will be complete, so definitely something to look forward, through, to, look forward to when E3 comes around. For those of you that are playing Red Dead Redemption, which I'm more than sure is a large majority of the listeners, uh, they're going to be having a brand-new batch of downloadable content. Uh, The Outlaws Till the End co-op mission pack has a release date of June 22nd for the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Here's the best part. Rockstar, which seems to love its fans, is giving the pack away for nothing, absolutely free. There's also a patch that's going to be released that's going to fix some connectivity issues that some of the players have been having. Um, It seems, and this is a comment from Rockstar, we are aware that there are still some of you out there that are experiencing issues with Red Dead Redemption, including multiplayer connectivity and getting the the Mo Van Bar bounty. We're currently testing a Red Dead Redemption title update for Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 that aims to fix these and other items. As a reward for putting up with the problems, Rockstar said that it will release the expert hunter and savvy merchant outfits, along with related challenges later this this summer, also for free of charge. So definitely that's really cool of Rockstar to do a little bit of customer service and uh, help them out with that. For those of you that are fans of the Call of Duty series, the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War series is going to be uh, – primarily a single-player campaign. Of course, there are going to be cooperative packages in the game, but they're going to be separate, and they're going to be separate unique co-op modes. There's not going to be a single uh, a co-op campaign. It's going to be single-player. So it's definitely interesting to see that they're not trying to do any sort of a co-op mode um, in terms of story, but you're going to have separate co-op modes for the game. So keep an eye out for Call of Duty Black Ops. It seems that Treyarch is going to only be focusing on doing Call of Duty games uh, going forward. Also, uh, PS3 and the Sony Entertainment for LA announced that there will be a November release date for the PC, MMO, and PlayStation 3 exclusive for the moment, DC Universe Online. They haven't given a concrete release date as of yet, but it seems like, as of right now, based on the screenshots I've seen, it's shaping up to be really cool. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing something... Uh, MMO-related on a console, because I'm just trying to see how it would translate. I've always said that something like World of Warcraft would be interesting to see on Xbox Live or on the PlayStation 3 service, so definitely a step in the right direction. I'm looking forward to DC Universe Online, and hell, I may even actually plunk down 60 bucks and buy that. As I said, the Hulu rumor as of right now is just out of rumor, but there is some sort of application that's going to be rumored for the xbox 360 and a lot of people are saying that it definitely does exist with that being said i'm going to take another commercial break and we're going to talk some movies right after this
0: you know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like well you won't listen to that on our show because uh we don't have the budget for that kind of thing
2: We're
1: broke as hell.
0: And uh, nobody
1: really cares that much to laugh that hard. So, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on All Games. All right, we're back. Let's talk some movies. There's actually going to be a little change in, that, in this particular segment this week because there's actually some TV news that kind of fall in line with some of the stuff we discuss on a weekly basis, and I wanted to bring those news to you. First off, The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that the Cartoon Network is going to be preparing a new animated series for Green Lantern, uh, you know, appropriately titled Green Lantern and the Animated Series. It's going to be scheduled for a November 2011 debut. Of course, I'm sure this is coming out to coincide with the big screen release of the Green Lantern motion picture, which will be coming out June 17, 2011. So, if the Green Lantern cartoon is done by the, in the same style as Superman and Batman the Animated Series and Justice League, I'm definitely open to checking it out. Um, I don't like Batman Brave and the Bold. I voiced my displeasure for that particular style in the... Um, post I made regarding the new trailer that they put up. I think that uh, Green Lantern is, he has a great unique rogues gallery and he, there's some really deep storytelling that can be told if done right with an animated series not only that but it kind of gets people ready and it puts Green Lantern out there on the forefront for kids to want to see the Green Lantern movie when it comes out June 17th. So definitely a step in the right direction. Deadline is reporting that Michael Bay and Platinum Dunes have brought and, you know, were brought in by Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon to work on the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Uh, Brad Fuller and Andrew Form will produce the live-action picture along with Bay. Uh, Galen Walker and Scott Mednick are going to be meeting with writers this June. Um, Previously, Platinum Dunes has mostly done horror remakes, but they're getting their toes wet with a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot. Michael Bay is involved, expects shit to get blown up. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to shit on it because, you know what it is, Ninja Turtles reboots and Ninja Turtles stories can't get any worse than they've gotten over the last few years. Um, I think that the CGI Turtles movie was a step in the right direction. It showed potential. I think that the Turtles are better suited to be done in that style of CGI as opposed to live action, but what the fuck do I know? We'll see how it pans out. That'll be a train wreck that I'm going to be watching with much interest considering that as an 80s baby, the Ninja Turtles were definitely a uh, staple in my household growing up. ABC, with their concern about no longer being able to air Lost and keeping people glued to their sets every week, have been talking about possibly rebooting the J.J. Abrams show Alias. As of right now, nothing is confirmed, but there has been strong considerations rebooting the show and borrowing some elements from the original series. And, um, you know, with Lost finished, and a Flash Forward being canceled, ABC's really trying to fucking squeeze the nuts of the TV audience, and bringing back a show like Alias uh, seems to be their attempt at doing that. I've watched a few episodes of Alias. It was original at that time. It was innovative at that time. Um, the reboot is basically just them dipping back into the well and trying to make it stick. I mean, it's worked with V thus far with, you know, moderate success, but I really don't think that them bringing back Alias is going to be a step in the right direction. In some Scream 4 news, because there hasn't been enough of that, Dimension has confirmed that Hayden Planetarium and uh, Rory Culkin are going to be in Scream 4. Of course, I bet you five bucks that big-headed Hayden Planetarium is going to get killed in the movie, and Rory Culkin will probably be the killer. Again, that's just my assessment. Whether that happens or not, not 100%. Nonetheless, they join Emma Roberts as well as Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette, because what the fuck are those three guys doing anyway that they don't have time to do another Scream movie? So Scream 4 will be coming out April 15, 2011, and you get to see uh, Hayden Planetarium possibly get killed by Ghostface. So I look forward to that. This week and last week, we had a couple of celebrity deaths. Uh, Dennis Hopper passed away. Uh, he was battling prostate cancer. Uh, big Dennis Hopper fan. I really enjoyed him in True Romance. I even have to say that he was halfway decent in the Super Mario Brothers movie, even though it's an abysmal piece of shit. He he was his character was interesting. I mean, him playing Bowser, A.K.A. King Koopa, was a different spin on things. And he's he's just a great actor. I mean, his turn in Speed was really good. Um, also, our, with the Showtime series. Or crash. He was really good with that. Unfortunate, of course, but cancer, man, 99-0. You can't beat that shit. Also, Gary Coleman passed away recently. He had a uh, he fell and pretty much uh, busted his head wide open. He had what's called an intracranial hemorrhage. He slipped into a coma and his um, estranged wife, who I believe he was divorced from at the time, um, ended life support for him. He was pronounced dead at 1205. Uh, Coleman's family and close friends were by his side when his life support was pulled. I mean, when his life support was pulled. Uh, with that being said, I guess we'll never find out what Willis was talking about. Also, uh, Rue McClanahan passed away today. Um, of course, Rue McClanahan was the um, sexy cougar-slash-grandma uh, in the Golden Girls with Blanche Devereaux. The Golden Girls was a show that I particularly saw constant rotation in my house growing up. It was usually a Channel 5 um, in a block with Night Court. And I remember watching my fair share of episodes. Um, those, those ladies, the four of them, um, great chemistry. I definitely got a couple of laughs, especially from uh, the old lady, Sophia, and even B Arthur once in a while made me laugh. But um, Betty White and Rue McClanahan were definitely the real stars on that show. Their comedic timing was great. Um, their interactions were awesome, and it's definitely a loss to to the film community. Um, definitely, I'm not you know bummed like boo hoo bummed, but definitely I gotta acknowledge that the show was funny and it was it was a staple in my house, and we all had a lot of good laughs. Uh, the only one that's left is Betty White. Hopefully, uh, you know she can outlive the rest of them and hang around with us a little while longer. Um, Betty White is really getting to the stage of popularity where she needs to have her own facts, like Chuck Norris. I think Betty White facts should be the next trend. Um, you, heard it here fo- you heard it here on MTR first, Betty White facts. Um, I think Betty White was a waitress at the Last Supper with Jesus and the Twelve Apostles. That's my Betty White fact. Betty White's hair can also stop bullets and cure cancer. That's why she has not died yet. Nonetheless... Moving on, let's talk some box office totals. Shrek Forever stuck into Sex in the City 2 this week by remaining number one with $44.3 million. In two weeks, it's made $133 million. The film had a budget of 165, million, well on its way to be profitable. Sex in the City 2, a.k.a. Old Bitches with Nothing Better to Do, debuted at number two with $32.1 million. It had a budget of $100 million. Prince of Persia with uh, the non-Arabic, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal debuted at number three Earth with $30.1 million, had a budget of 200000000 million, don't see it being very successful, uh, it pains me to say it, it looks interesting, and it looks like a great uh, diversion of 90 minutes, but not off to a great start. Iron Man fell to number four this weekend, earning 16 million million, it's made $274.6 million in four weeks. Film had a budget of 200 million dollars. Worldwide, it's made 550. The train wreck known as Robin Hood fell two spots to number five. It earned 10.3, 83 million dollars total. Had a budget of 200 million dollars. Officially classified as a bomb in my book. Letters to Juliet, typical rom-com. Two spots it dropped to number six. It earned 5.9 million dollars. It's made 36.6. Just right. Dropped to number 7, 2.2, it's made 18.1 in three weeks. Date Night is still fucking holding on with $1.7 million. It's made 93.5 in eight weeks. It had a budget of 55. Uh, very successful. Steve Carell and Tina Fey did a great job. MacGruber, I don't even know why this movie is even being watched. Um, it earned $1.4 million. It's made $7.2 It had a budget of $10 million. Um, anybody that really paid money to see Magruber needs to be flung off a fucking bridge with a bungee cord tied to their neck, preferably. It looked abysmal. It looked awful. I, I, look, I have, I have more enjoyment watching the fucking Orbitz commercials with the, the, the bitch with the shiny teeth than sitting through Magruber. Oh, my God. How to Train Your Dragon was the last one, made a million dollars even, made 212.6, had a budget of $200 million. Nonetheless, box office numbers are definitely not where they should be for the start of the quote-unquote summer movie season. Um, With a couple of movies coming out in the next few weeks, I'm really hoping that it it really steps up. I actually paid money to go see Iron Man 2, I went to the movies, I I enjoyed the whole experience. One reason why I don't go to the movies, people. I hate lots of people. They don't fucking shut up. They chew popcorn with their fucking mouths open. It's like, if your mouth is open that wide, then either a fist or a dick has to go in it. Chew your popcorn fucking quietly. Then you have the lady that decides, I'm going to bring my two-year-old kid to see the movie. And the kid's going to kick my chair for two hours. And I have to turn around six times and give the kid a nasty look. I really wanted to drown a two-year-old in a popcorn bucket. It's a terrible thing to say, but you don't bring a two-year-old to see fucking Iron Man. You take a two-year-old to see Shrek. Don't fuck up my experience because you don't have a fucking babysitter. Please. Really, this is why I don't go to the movies, because of shit like that. Or there's always some loud fuck or some asshole that's text messaging and laughing at the text messages. Or the one kid who's like, Mom, look at what's going to happen here. Hey, little fuck, shut your face. Seriously. It's, it's ridiculous. That's why I don't go to the movies. But nonetheless, I, I got through the annoying kids and got to enjoy Iron Man 2. It was surprisingly good. Um, Don Cheadle, I really thought was going to be really shitty as, as a war machine. Great comedic timing. Don Cheadle really surprised me. Really good actor. Sam Rockwell was solid, as always. Um, Mickey Rourke playing Whiplash and also an interpretation of Crimson Dynamo was good. If you haven't seen it, stick around after the credits. You need to. There were lots of little codes and lots of little sneaky things for all the other upcoming Marvel projects. So definitely a great job by John Favreau. Uh, great job Robert Downey Jr., of course. Uh, Scarlett Johansson played her character as well as she could. Um, basically, any decent-looking hot chick could have played her. But... She did a reasonably good job. So overall, definitely, I recommend you see Iron Man 2 if you haven't. If you don't want to go and deal with people like I do, then at least do yourself a favor and pick it up on Blu-ray. Has great sound, has great pictures. So definitely pick that up. Uh, OneRing.net recently released a statement from Guillermo del Toro who announced that he will not be directing The Hobbit. Uh, Pretty much um, a multitude of factors contributed to it. So Guillermo del Toro will not be doing The Hobbit, and Peter Jackson said he's not doing it either. So the continuing saga of The Hobbits is not going to be wrapped up. So as of right now, the Lord of the Rings franchise for The Hobbit has no director. Whether it continues and gets made with somebody else remains to be seen. I personally think that they should have done The Hobbit first versus doing the Lord of the Rings movies with, you know, what the fuck do I know? I don't work for Hollywood. Aaron Johnson from Kick-Ass could be appearing in Matthew Vaughn's upcoming X-Men First Class. Uh, Johnson, of course, worked with Vaughn on Kick-Ass, was photographed meeting with the director and James McAvoy, who will be playing Professor X. Rumors are going rampant that Aaron Johnson is going to be playing Cyclops, which bugs me out because you had a perfectly good kid playing Cyclops in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Did you figure that by getting an actor with a bigger name, it would help sell the movie? the only thing I don't hope is they try to make X-Men first class like kick-ass, not in terms of crash humor, but just in terms of presentation. If you're going to do the young X-Men or the new mutants or whatever, fine. But don't don't do no crazy shit and try and make it like kick-ass. Lightning will not strike twice. Kick-ass is in a category all its own. But definitely something worth noting and keeping an eye on in the next few weeks. We'll see if Aaron Johnson gets the opportunity. I see, uh... We got our first caller. Let's bring him in. If uh, my switchboard decides to work,
0: caller, you're on the air. Stop making waffles. Hey, waffles, what's going on? I didn't want to go back to your TV segment. Um, how you were talking about the there's gonna be a Green Lantern series and a Ninja Turtle series. Right. First, all right, first of what the fuck what, with what, the Ninja what, Turtles?
1: Hold on, hold on. The Green Lantern series is going to be on TV. That's going to be animated. The Ninja Turtles is a movie reboot, and Michael Bay is involved, just in case you got confused.
0: Okay, okay, so it's a reboot. Well, any other way, I don't think that it should be done. Like how you said earlier on, it's just stay with the CG format that it was before, because they did a better job. The Turtles were able to do more things that you can actually do in real life. And Very true. You can't, and you can't mess with the original, come on. Because if you remember Ninja Turtles Part 1 and 2, those are great. Part 3, killed it. I don't know why they thought of bringing up going back in time and whatnot. And you do huh? No, what I was going to say
1: was, those first two movies were done very well because of the rubber costumes. I mean, technology's gotten a lot better. They can probably use, you know, Avatar-style special effects. But I think that the Turtles, in order to keep a, a younger demographic, should stick to CGI,
0: Exactly. No, but also I wanna bring up if you have a great memory, they actually had a real live Ninja Turtle series back in the day. Yep, on channel yep, on Channel Five, I remember that. They even had a Ninja Turtle. Named yeah, Ian. Exactly. But they used the exact same costumes in that series that the ones that they did in the movie, so they kept it in the original style. So I don't know, making another movie I don't think it would do so well. Like well, even with the Huh? Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Uh, I'll say, um, I don't watch the new turtle series that they have, like, in, on Fox right now, or the Fox 4 Kids, whatever it's called now. Um, I just recently saw an episode which surprised me. They did a very great job with it. It was the new turtles from, like, now modern time. They go through a different universe and they find the original cartoon series turtles. And then they still go back to another universe where they go to the Black and White Turtles where all of them were the same, like the same bandana and everything. And I was, that actually wasn't a pretty bad story, and I wouldn't mind seeing that as a movie. But just to kind oh, of make shit. it complete... Yeah, you like, I would actually recommend watching that, because that was actually pretty cool. I was pretty
2: wild right. how they did all that.
0: And some of the voices, like, are the acting that they did from the cartoon, from, the, like, the original cartoon series... It brought you back to, like, that time when you were a kid watching them because they actually had it accurate. There's nothing wrong with it. It was cool. So I recommend watching that. But what would you think? Would that be be a better storyline, though?
1: Well, you know what it is? First of all, I'm definitely going to check out what you just told me on YouTube. Probably I'll check it out after the show. Maybe I'll put it in the forum. You know what the problem is with the Turtles? The Turtles, when you go and look at the black and white source material, was definitely a very mature book. And then they kind of scaled it down, so it's just a matter of convey of mixing the right amount of the original series with the newer one, so that you can keep both sets of fans. I think that the CGI Ninja Turtles movie that came out recently did a great job of that. It, it was definitely dark in some points, but it definitely kept a lot of the hijinks and the humor from, you know, from Michelangelo and Donatello. So, you know, I think that keeping that that mixture. And going that style would make it more successful than trying to mash all these different other universes together to create a brand new rebooted Ninja Turtles. I think that if you want to go that route, it's going to be a lot harder, and you should definitely keep with the CGI formula, just because
0: it works and it's less money. Uh, okay. Uh, see. Well, then, all right. Well, I want to bring up now how you talked about Green Lantern. All right. uh, with, the green Lantern, with the Green Lantern series, I actually think that's a good, uh, pretty good choice to do because it's something new. You, you never have just like Green Lantern by himself in any type of series. Like, only in his comics. So that's actually a good approach that they're doing right there. Of course, they're promoting it because of the movie, but you're finally going to see Green Lantern, and, and hopefully they go, actually go through the right storyline. Yeah. Because well, if they make Green huh?
1: No, what huh? I was going to say was they're doing that as a setup. You know it's clearly a setup that kids watch the cartoon on Saturday morning and then drag their parents to see the Green Lantern movie. It's a, it's a very smart strategy.
0: Because you got to, I mean, like, what they've done with other cartoons like X-Men, X-Men Evolution sucked. I always preferred the original X-Men series, hands down. That was, was always the best. And then they made, after X-Men Evolution, they made that Wolverine and the X-Men that was even worse, and it didn't even last long. So it's good that they're bringing something new because Batman: Brave and the Bold. You're right, that was stupid as well. Well, yeah. we'll see how
1: it pans out. We'll see how it pans out, and then uh, you know, over the next six months. I mean, there's actually something else that I'm going to talk about, it, and it's TV related, and it's regarding another cartoon that's making a comeback, and it'll definitely blow your mind. So uh, oh. definitely stick around, and you're, you're
0: going to like this. <laughs> all right, man. All right. Cool. Sounds good. All right. All right. All right. Thanks for the call. Yeah. All right, no problem, man. See ya.
1: All right. I think Slick is on the line. What's up, man? Slick. What's going on, man? Waffles. Uh, two weeks in a row. He's the uh, first caller in. He's trying. I think he's trying to take your throne. Uh,
2: my ass just woke up, so fuck that. He ain't taking shit. <laughs>
1: Well, what, what, well, welcome back to the game, my friend. What, what is your rebuttal in in regards to what Waffles was saying? First of all, um, in terms of live-action Turtles movies, they all
2: fucking suck, especially the second one which had fucking vanilla ice in it. So let's just get <laughs> that bullshit out of the way right now. Okay. And in terms of... A reboot. I don't know why they're doing a reboot. Well, yeah, I do, because the, the first... Uh, <laughs> you know why. <laughs> yeah, because the last movie didn't do so well. But it was, like you said, it was really well done. It actually set up for a sequel with Shredder, which I would have loved to see in that same art style. Yep. But let, let's face some facts. I grew up on the freaking 80s uh, Turtle cartoon, which was great, but in terms of source material, was way off the fucking mark. They took a lot of liberties with it. And the more recent turtles cartoon, not like the one where they're like in the future and all that shit, but like the, what started that off is the story that actually does follow the original Eastman Laird books and that's the style in terms of animated shows that really does follow the original source material, at least originally it did.
1: Well, you know what it is? You have to take into account that, and this is what I had mentioned in Waffles, you really have to find the happy medium because the source material, you know, the the liberties that they took in the Turtles cartoon when we were growing up made the cartoon a success. It also sold a shitload of different toys. So, you know, that, that... style of cartoon works if you want to capture a younger demographic. For the purists and those of us that, you know, like shit a little darker, you know, of course we're going to gravitate towards that stuff. I think that the CGI movie, you know, besides it being pretty solid and setting up Shredder, I think had a healthy balance of comedic stuff for the kids, but also a little bit of darkness because, you know, you saw that Raphael separated from the Turtles, they was infighting. You know, they would, they would think that they really didn't focus on in the cartoon as much. You know, the cartoon was all about delivering a positive message to kids, blah, blah, blah. You know, in the, in the newer ones, they kind of did a healthy mix. And I think that before they even attempt to reboot this, they need to figure out which demographic you're going to cater to.
2: True. I mean, even the, the, the more recent cartoon had to kind of Tone it down a bit because the original comic was really freaking violent. I mean, the first few issues, the Turtles quote unquote dealt with Shredder because, I mean, Leonardo ran him through and Donatello jammed a grenade down his throat and knocked him off a building. And the right. only reason why he came out of that is, well, if you watch the more recent cartoon, you know why. That's right. But the, um, if Michael Bay is going to be involved with a new movie, I hope they at least continue where the last movie left off and do something with Shredder again, because, I mean, a great character is a great character.
1: Oh, yeah, well, you know what it is, Shredder? Shredder's the type of character that he's, he's the, the namesake. He's the guy that pretty much when you think Ninja Turtles bad guy, you know, when I tell you Ninja Turtles bad guy off the top of your head, go, you don't say Krang, Rocksteady and Bebop, Baxter Stockman, the Mousers, you know, the fucking, the, the, the fucking snapping turtle. No, you, you say fucking Shredder. It's just the way it is. The problem that, that happens, and this happened in, in, the, in the CGI movie, was the fact that Shredder was nowhere to be seen. And that probably turned off a lot of kids, because any kids that have any familiarity with the turtles in general expect where the turtles are, Shredder is. Period. Not Craig, none of that other shit, not Rocksteady and Bebop. None... Turtles, Shredder. That's it. When you start adding all these extra dudes, like, you can add them, but Shredder needs to be the focal point.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. That's probably why we have a reboot and the last movie didn't do so well.
1: That's right, because you don't have the main bad guy. It's like, put it like this. It's like doing a Batman movie, the first one ever, and not making the bad guy the Joker, and making the bad guy um, the ventriloquist. And then you ask yourself why the movie sucked ass. Well, your bad guy was a guy with a fucking talking puppet. Of course it's going to suck.
2: Actually, I don't know. A movie with Scarface could be really good, but I, I get where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, but you've got to take it into account if you would have done Batman in 1989 and not done the Joker and made it a fucking puppet, besides the costume having rubber nipples down the road... You know the puppet would have looked stupid with neon lights and fucking a water head and, and a funny hat. No, you, you know you have to stick with the source material, even if it's a reboot. You got to do it with the stuff that people are familiar with. Otherwise, people are like, ah, that is just some bullshit, and they're not gonna watch it. Period. All right. And that that actually
2: goes with the the whole Green Lantern thing too. After seeing the Green Lantern animated movie which actually was fantastic I don't know how they're going to do a Green Lantern movie and really make it good unless they like go really really hard with the CG like I'm talking Avatar hard
1: well you know what's funny and and I was going to I'm going to discuss that and I'll just mention it now um the the pretty much the Green Lantern movie is focusing almost I, ideally, on the first issue of Green Lantern, when Abin Sir comes to Earth, gives him the ring, is going to be involved, you, you know, they're really, they're really getting it in. And the smart thing is that they're not going to give Green Lantern a standard costume, with, you know, made of tights. What they're going to do is that the complete costume is going to be CG. So basically, if you look online, you're going to see screencasts of Ryan Reynolds wearing a CG uh, bodysuit because basically when you look at Green Lantern, he doesn't wear a costume. His costume comes from the ring and pretty much appears on his body. So there's no need for him to wear a tangible costume. I think that going the CG route is a step in the right direction, and I think it's it's something that's going to set that movie apart from all the other ones. And what's going to end up happening is that Hollywood is going to rip it off and start making other superhero costumes CG, because then they don't have to worry about, oh, the actor can't turn his head left. Or, oh, my God, my shoe's untied. I can't reach down and tie it because I have a codpiece blocking my my view.
2: I get where you're coming from with that, but the, um... I don't know. First of all, are they going with Hal Jordan? Yep, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. Okay, it's like... The reason why I said it would be like so, so um, CG-heavy, I'm not just talking about the costume, I mean, you have a character whose power is really based on his imagination, which is part of why yep. Hal Jordan was such a good Green
1: Lantern. I think that they're going to do a really good job with the CG. Like I said, I'm reserving judgment. Um, it's like any other superhero movie. We expect greatness. And one of two things happens either it's totally great and we're okay with it or it's really good and you get a couple of things that you complain about or it sucks totally
0: that's really it i mean right
1: now i'm really i'm really feeling positive just because they seem to have grasped the green lantern material and i think that they're really going to do something good with it i really I, you know i can't i can't do more than that until i see a trailer you
2: know I mean, we've seen fan trailers, and they've done really well with that, and that's with kids just sitting there with their own computers, so hopefully Hollywood can pull a rabbit out of the hat again the way they have with the more, the more recent Batman movies. I mean... I will say, The fact remains, whether it's animated or live action, DC's pulling a much better track record than Marvel right now.
1: Sad, but remarkably true. We'll see how it pans out
2: Alright man I'm going to let you get to the rest of the news I might call back if you got the bombshell you're talking about
1: Oh yeah Alright buddy, thanks for your call
2: Alright, talk to you later Later
1: Alright You know, Slick brings up a valid point DC has been doing a really good job With the movies lately but And, and it's funny he, he brings that up The The problem is That DC is doing well, and they're only doing well with just one guy, and that's Batman. And 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 it really bugs me out because they have some really great characters. I mean, Green Lantern has potential, and that's going to lead me to something I'm going to discuss later on in the news. But before I get to that, here's, here's something crazy, especially for all you 80s babies out there. Warner Brothers put out a release that Thundercats is getting a new series airing on the Cartoon Network in 2011. That's right. Everything that's old is new again. We had a new He-Man series a few years back, a new G.I. Joe series in G.I. Joe Resolute. Um, Thundercats, back. It's Cartoon Network, 2011. Sam Register of Warner Brothers Animation made the following statement. In addition to being Warner Brothers animation's first anime series, it's going to be an anime-style series, Thundercats marks our most ambitious foray yet into fantasy. The realism and dynamic visual style we've achieved is sure to thrill viewers, and the cool weapons, vehicles, and technology should should help the show appeal to a diverse audience. The story will once again revolve around Lion-O and builds itself as a sweeping tale combining swords and science and boasting ferocious battles with the highest of stakes as the forces of good and evil battle each other in the quest for the fabled Stones of Power. All right, this is already starting to get fucking totally off-character. Lionel and his champions learn valuable lessons of loyalty, honor, and mortality in every episode. All right. You had me at New Thundercats. Okay. Keeping the animated source material. Okay. Stones of Power? What the fuck? As far as I remember... Thundercat's planet, Thundera, was destroyed. Lion O, Wily Kid, Wily Cat, Chitara, Tigra, Panthro, and Jaga were on the ship. The ship crashed, Jaga died, they're on this planet, Third Earth. Mumra's there, he wants the Sword of Omens, yada, yada, yada. That was it. Mumra was your main issue. Everything else kind of came in sec- secondary. You know, the Luna attacks, the fucking the Jungle Broads the Robo-Verbals, all that shit tied into Mumra. Mumra was always around. Mumra was always, let me tell you, if you guys want a homework assignment that really wants to capture the imagination of you're a Thundercats fan, do yourself a favor and pick up some of the Thundercats comic books that came out that focused on what happened to the Thundercats after the series. Um, let me put it to you like this. Lionel went inside what's called the Book of Omens, to continue his training. Wily Cat, I believe that's the male, he betrayed the Thundercats. Then the female kitten ended up becoming the concubine of Mumrah. Now that, folks, is a fucking story. Not all this stones of power shit, just that alone was wild. In addition to that, the sword got destroyed at one point. Lionel got older. Um, they actually ended up doing another story where they fought these guys called the Dogs of War, which was really interesting. I think that the fact of the matter is that bringing back Thundercats is great. You know, we're not going to get a live-action movie, and I don't even think it would translate well into screen, unless you did it like Avatar. But you're really trying to, once again, reinvent something that pretty much writes itself. You want to redo it, that's great. But don't... The Stones of Power, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Um, you know, I, I can't go shitting on it too hard because there has to be a reasoning for these stones of power, but there's no mention of Mumra, there's no mention of Slides and the Mutants. All that shit is crucial because that's what set the show and set the standards for every week. You know, there was a little message at the end and a little feel-good moment, blah, 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 but it was pretty basic. It was the Thundercats versus the Mutants versus Mumrah and all the weirdos that came out of that. You know, the snowman from Hook Mountain, um... Jaga, fucking, who was that? Groom the Destroyer, all those guys. All that was secondary. It was always about Mumra. Always. Nonetheless, I believe we have some calls on the board. Uh, Let's bring in the first one. Dark Helmet. Oh.
3: Oh, God, I'm facepalming. Facepalm. I cannot bash my head into my computer hard enough.
2: No. All right.
3: Yeah. Well. Don't mess. Don't f with Thundercats. You can't. No. Everything you said is making me just
1: rage. It is crazy, right? Because you gotta think into. You gotta put this into perspective. When they redid He-Man, they did such a fantastic job that I actually ended up enjoying the new He-Man a lot more than the older one from my childhood. And I'm not saying. I'm not saying that this new Thundercats won't do a good job, but the plot synopsis, especially when you're, when you're trying to, to get the attention of, of, you know, old fans and bring in new fans, you've got to pretty much do it like this. If I were this guy from Warner Brothers, I would have said, you know, we're going to bring in Thundercats, it's our ambitious 480 fantasy, the story will once again revolve around Lion-O and the Thundercats and their ongoing struggle against the mutants and the evil force known as Mum-Ra.
0: That's it. Just
1: with that, with that, and not adding stones of power and extra shit, people would have read it and gone, okay, I can fuck with this. The minute you start saying, oh the fabled stones for power, you could have even said on their quest to find the book of omens to restore Thundera, that would have worked.
2: But no,
3: you want
1: to go, you want to go with some extra shit. You want to create shit now. You know Hollywood, you know animation, Warner Brothers wants to create when they're basically remaking. It's like, remake the shit and just let it rock with the shit that's in there. You want to add little things and new characters, add them in, but keep the existing source material sound.
3: Seriously, because in the old story, it was all about Mumra wanting to harness the Eye of Thundera to give him even more power. That's why he right. was always after them. And the story was always about the, the Thundercats. They came to the new planet they were in from Thundera, from And we're just trying to survive. That's where they meet all their different character friends. There are no stones of power. None of this book. No. It's just so wrong. So wrong. It's going to make a lot of people mad.
1: I definitely want to see the animation style. I mean, I've gotten some pictures, which I'm going to try. And I'm not going to write a whole article about it because I don't have full information. But the photos that I do have and the pictures that have been put out, I'm actually going to probably put on Facebook and the forum. So um, again, they could they could probably do a decent job, but when you're not even referencing some of the original source material and just only mentioning Lionel, because that's another thing that came to my attention. They only really mentioned Lionel, and they put Lionel and his champions. It didn't mention you know other Thundercats. It didn't mention you know Lionel and. And, and the rest of, of the Thundarians working to get nothing. It was just Lionel and his champions. So God knows who's not going to be in it or what they're going to change. That's going to piss some people off.
3: There better be Snarf. Holy shit, there better be Snarf or that's it. It's a dead. It's dead. Well, you know,
1: Snarf is a love-hate thing. Like, there's only so much of Snarf you can fucking take anyway. So if Snarf is a guy that only comes in once in a while, that's fine. Um, you know, but you need, like, the core characters. You, like, I can deal without Wily Kid and Wily Cat. I can give two shits about them, because the episodes involving them were usually them needing to be rescued. But you need Panthro, you need Chitara, you need Tigra. You know, you need the Thunder Tank. You need that shit. And you need the mutants. Everything else, you can fuck with everything else, but keep the core shit alive, you know?
3: Yeah, Seriously. Well, okay, anything, else, anything else to add, Dark Helmet?
1: I think I'm done with my rage
3: session. That just, no, yeah.
1: All right. It'll be all right, bro. It'll be all right. We'll see what happens I in the next few weeks. And like I said, I'll put some stuff on the Facebook fan page and on the uh, forum. All right, man. All right. Thanks for your call. Sure thing. Peace. All right. Um, Michael Bay's website announced that Rosie Huntington-Whiteley has officially replaced Megan Fox. She will be the lead in Transformers 3. If you're not sure what she looks like or if she will be a great replacement for Megan Fox, it's probably on the front page of Yahoo! right now or it's going to be on most film blogs by tomorrow. I'm not going to go intensely put up a picture of the chick because you see her and, you know, Victoria's Secret model. You know, no real acting experience, dates to Transporter. Love interest, you know. Oh, my God, giant robots. That's your dialogue. Oh, Sam, I love you. That's your dialogue. Optimus Prime is blue. That's your dialogue. That's, you, know, it's, it, you, you can fucking put a cat with a wig in, 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 as, as the fucking romantic interest. No one gives a shit, you know. And, and, it, and it's really terrible and shallow to say, but guys are looking at it like, Wow, cool robots, awesome cars. Wow, Megan Fox, nice ass and a nice, nice set of cans on her. That's really it. That's how it works. You're putting a chicken in there for, to get that extra and to give a little bit of a love story so that boyfriends and husbands can get their wives to go to see the movie with them. But there's a love story. Okay, I'll go see it. That, that's how it is. It's, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, the, the whole Megan Fox thing is over. Rosie Huntington Whiteley is going to replace her. With that being said, the last bit of movie news, Um, in a recent interview with Newsarama, DC Comics Chief Creative Officer Jeff Johns uh, mentioned his personal picks for comics he'd like to see get turned into movies or TV shows. He mentioned some of the following, Wonder Woman, as well as The Blue Beetle, The Suicide Squad, The Wild Storm Series Sleeper, and The Vertigo Book of 100 Bullets. And he says, and I quote, The real goal for me now is getting DC Vertigo, Wildstorm, and Mad to the big and small screen while staying true to the source material we all love. See, that's what I'm fucking talking about. That's how you do it. I'm in constant creative discussions about DC with other divisions. This is the shit that, they, that anybody that's involved in recreating movies, comic books, and graphic novels needs to say. And it'll help make transitions easier and people accepting change a bit more. That's what you fucking say. Staying true to the source material we all love. Jeff Johns is the fucking man. It really is. That's how you do it. Period. Staying true to the source material. Not fucking it up. Not changing the costume. Not giving Batman nipples. You know, none of that. Not making the Riddler act like the Joker. No. Source material. And I have to give him kudos. He kept it real and that's. I definitely want to see how they would do a Wonder Woman movie, um, especially considering that Batman and Superman are already in process. And, you know, the inevitable Justice League movie needs to be done just based on that. But the fact is that I applaud him for keeping it real and saying what he had to say. And on top of that, you know, reassuring the fans that he would stay with the source material. And the last bit of news is in a bit of Avengers news. It seems that Jeremy Renner who was in the Hurt Locker is in negotiations and has signed on to play Hawkeye in the upcoming Avengers movie. Um, they're saying that Joss Whedon, of course, is going to direct and um, they're saying that Renner's character is going to be a bit rogue and not initially a team member. A team member. Um, his origin is going to tie closely to Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow character and um, the movie's going to play into a similar part of that storyline. As of right now, there's rumors that Ed Norton may be in the movie or that the Hulk may be involved. It hasn't been signed, sealed, or delivered. But just an, but nonetheless, you can include the CGI version of the Hulk and not have him turn into Bruce Banner, which can also be done in just keeping the Hulk uh, nonverbal. We'll see how that pans out. There's also rumors saying that Josh Holloway, Nathan Fillion, or Kevin Pennington, are also going to have roles. Uh, Nathan Fillion, of course, has been rumored to be playing Ant-Man. In terms of Kevin Pennington and Josh Holloway, I do not know what characters they will be playing. So take this right now as a rumor. Once I get full confirmation, of course, I'll acknowledge it on the show, or I'm going to just put it on the site if it's really true. Nonetheless, the Avengers is scheduled to hit theaters May 4, 2012. Um... Robert Downey Jr. mentioned that the movie will be going into production in spring of 2011. That's going to wrap up the movie news for this week, and that's actually going to wrap up the show for this week. News were a little light, um, which is unfortunate, but, you know, not every week is going to be a fucking masterpiece. Nonetheless, wait a second. Oh, hold on a second. I think Slick is calling back. Ah. Slick. Now, yeah, man, I didn't see your hand raised.
2: What's up? Um, First on the Thundercast thing, like the same way I was saying that DC's had a good track record of movies, Cartoon Network over like the past two years has had a pretty good track record with new shows. Right. And the one thing that I always rage about that was recently on Cartoon Network and wound up being really good. Was Transformers. Right. As soon as people saw, as soon as people saw the art, they dismissed it. And I'll tell you right now, the art was terrible from start to finish. The show's over now, but the story was way off tilted from the original, and was great. I mean, it was. Like, the only good story since Beast Wars. And, I mean, you have Optimus Prime, who was physically, like, half the size of Megatron. Yep. He was a military washout. Like, he was disgraced, and said, they said, you'll never be a soldier. And he was, like, the leader of a bunch of freaking reject Autobots that ran around Space cleaning Space Bridges. And they happened to find the AllSpark and wound up um, finding Megatron by mistake. And they just wound up in a really bad situation. The only reason why they beat Megatron the first time is because Starscream put a bomb on Megatron's back, which Megatron found out about and fucked him up. And they went back to the original story of Starscream just not dying. There was actually a hysterical episode where they blew Starscream away
1: about ten times in twenty minutes. Oh, no. Oh no, I did. I did. You know, I did watch the series, and I was. I was very happy. Um, I could do with a lot. With with a lot less of, of the sorry character, but the overall presentation was solid. And it is true. The Cartoon Network always has a solid track record with with the new shows and unique programming, and and you know, making sure to to put the fans first, and that's great. But when you're announcing a project like Thundercats, and you know, you're catering to basically The older genre first, and I'll tell you, kids, you know, no, 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 nine-year-old kid is on the internet reading a press release about Thundercats. The people that care about Thundercats are, you know, the '80s babies, the late '80s babies that had the privilege of watching it growing up. And when you're putting out an announcement like that for someone like me, you, Dark Helmet, and numerous other listeners to read, the first reaction is going to be like, this is really bare bones. You know, when you're trying to capture um, interest, you're gonna give out, you know, other nuggets of information that people can say, Oh yeah, I remember that. Hey, I gotta see how that looks now. You know, yeah, you name drop Lionel and that's great. But what if it's Lionel and a gaggle of snarfs?
2: Y- you know, just, what at if one if point they actually did with the
1: with the old show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what if it's Lionel and a gaggle of snarfs fighting uh, the mutants? with no Mumra, you know what I mean, like, like, you just name-dropped Lionel, you didn't say all the mutants, or hey, you know, the diabolical force known as Mumra, like, you don't even need to make Mumra a mummy if you don't want to, but just, you know, acknowledging names and, and things that people can, can, you know, be like, oh, shit, they're bringing that back, oh, let me check it out, yeah, you said Lionel, hooray, thanks, you know, thanks, thanks for telling me something, you know, thanks for telling me something I already know. Liono. It wouldn't be fucking ThunderCats without Liono in it. That's like doing the Justice that's uh, that's like doing the Justice League without Superman. It's like dude, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, you got to tell me about Lionel, but what about the other stuff that's that's important? You know, that people are going to look at it as source material. It's like with Iron Man, when you saw Iron Man and you saw the silver costume, you said to yourself, "War Machine has to be in this." It has to be. It's a no-brainer. And it's things like that. It's little setups and little things like that that, that, that allow you to look forward to the next project. The photos that I'm going to put up that I got for Thundercats is just a one sheet. And on the one sheet, it's only the symbol, and it says Thundercats. And the other one sheet is just a poster of Lionel. Nothing else. No mutants, no mumra, no nothing. Just Lion-O with a with claw shield and the sword. And you don't even really see what he looks like because he's obscured in shadow.
3: See what I'm saying?
1: Like, you know, a way to build a buzz, but not build a buzz to the point where I really want to – where I'm super excited for it. Like, I'm excited because, it's again, something from my childhood being brought back to be shared with the newer generation. I have no problem with that because not for nothing, the quality of programming when we were growing up, most of it was pretty solid. With the exception of a couple of toys that were dangerous, <laughs> you know, the, the the programming was pretty spot on. But – you know, just Lionel alone isn't going to sell this. They've really got to make sure that they include a lot of shit that will make the hardcore fans tune in. Not only that, because you know they're going to merchandise. you got to make it that people are going to want to buy the shit.
2: Well, in that sense, I think we won't have too much to worry about in terms of, like, other characters and things like Thunder Tanks and Feliners and shit like that. I mean, they're going to have to have shit like that.
0: They need to because that's the only way they're going to get
1: money from the children. Exactly.
2: You yeah. know
1: that's that's going to be crucial. But but the secondary characters, you know, if they don't take the opportunity to acknowledge the secondary characters, they're really going to they're really going to annoy a lot of people because those secondary characters were important, especially when you talk about if you're going to do the story of you know of Lion-O, is it going to be a continuation from the old show or is it going to be something totally new? Because if it's something totally new, you know that they're going to do the trials before Lionel becomes Lord of the Thundercats, and you need those particular people to test him. You know, what are you going to do, rewrite it and do something totally different? You have to do shit like that.
2: Well, that's, that's one thing I, think... I
1: say... Well, not to cut you off, that's one thing I didn't notice in this press release. He didn't say that it was a continuation. It's, it seems like it's new. You know, he, he really said, you know it's going to once again revolve around Lionel. But he didn't say it's a continuation of an existing saga either.
2: And that's the only reason why I say, you know, it's going to be a wait-and-see situation. Hopefully if they do, you know, go off the original material, it'll be in a good way the way um, the more recent Transformers series was and won't be, you know, like a ball of shit. In terms of, like, uh, trying to set up for the Justice League movie, they're going to have to do a Wonder Woman movie at some point because the three main characters of the Justice League are Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman.
1: Yep, that, that's, the, that's the DC Trinity, you know. That's the, it's like, you know, it's like Iron Man Thor, and Captain America for the Avengers, you know. You, you need those three, which, you know, it makes perfect sense with, with Marvel going in that direction, you know, you need Captain America and you need Iron Man. If you made an Iron Man movie and you plan on making an Avengers movie, you have to go that route. Same rules apply if you're going to do a Justice League Well, You can't just jump ahead and do it. You have to set the standard for each character. And not only that, allow people to be introduced, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I could see in terms of, like, what the guy was saying with other comic movies... I mean, DC owns Wildstorm at this point. And I can see them not really wanting to go into like a Wildcats type type of uh, movie because that's kind of hitting close to you know, similar to Justice League because you got a lot of characters together and everything with different powers. But going with like the the um the whole kick-ass and the Scott Pilgrim type movies, if they wanted to do something a little bit different, that might actually capture an audience. I think maybe they should try to go for maybe like, like you said, keeping with the source material, a Gen 13 movie, that would
1: probably work really well. There you go. I, I agree. I mean that's that's the best way to do it. I mean, comic book movies like I like I and you know I beat it into the ground every week, and I hate doing it too to an extent. You know, it, the shit writes itself. It's just a matter of translating it onto screen. It's really not. It's it's not rocket science. So. We'll see how it pans out with Thundercats in the coming weeks. Um, I'm going to actually put the one sheets in the forum and on Facebook until I can figure out a way to write something up when I get more information. All right, man. All right, brother. Thanks for the call as always and for uh, working behind the scenes. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Thanks again. All right, with that said, that's going to wrap up this week's show. You've just listened to My Take Radio episode 45 for Thursday, June 3rd, 2010. Got to give out my mandatory plugs to a lot of the people that contribute and assist on My Take Radio as well as former guests. Uh, RazorClothing.com for Razor Rob. Actually, it's RazorClothing.TV. I'm sorry. Go, Creed, go for Austin Creed, uh, former TNA wrestler, gamer, comic fan, hardcore Ninja Turtles fan. I wish I would have had him here to discuss the uh, Ninja Turtles remake. Check him out on GoCreedGo.com. Uh, Max Geiger's video game project is at GiantSparrow, all, all together is one word, .com. Doc's Vitamin Water from, Dur- uh, from Dr. Armand Dorian from the uh, Deadliest Warrior. Drink D-O-X, D-O-X.com. The Girl Gamer crew is always supporting My Take Radio um, on Twitter. For those of you that are on Twitter, you can see that every Friday we get a little shout-out from the Girl Gamer crew, and they're always ready, willing, and able to work with us, so definitely shout-out to them. MMAGospel.com, Turk was in the news this week with the whole Jamie Yeager situation. You can listen to MMA Gospel Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio network. It's blogtalkradio.com MMAGospel. You can also check out uh, Turk and the rest of the MMA Gospel crew on fighters.com. Shout-out to MMA Valor also for being a supporter of My Take Radio. You can check his site out at MMAValor.com. He has a really cool store with some really great MMA shirts. Not all of them are the uh, douche rag, typical MMA shirts that you see. There's a lot of great up-and-coming designers and clothing companies that got really cool stuff out there. Um, A shout-out, of course, to Rachel at MMAHotStuff.com. Darksiders.com will always get a plug from MPR for... Supporting NCR all the time and coming on the show to promote Darksiders 2 in the near future. You can check out Hayden Dalton's blog at haydendalton.wordpress.com. Uh, shout out to Brooks McBeth. Um, definitely feeling a little bummed for Brooks. Uh, his, one of his dogs passed away recently, so he um, ended up adopting a dog that he fostered. If you're on Facebook, definitely look him up. Uh, say hello. Let him know you heard him on the show. You can also check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash macbeth. As always, shout out to Don Anderson. Tumbling with Tumbleweed is Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And, of course, much love to the VGN Radio crew. You can catch their shows on Sunday as well as Cleveland Sports Radio. Their sites are vgnradio.com and clevelandsportsradio.net. Soiled and Born Stubborn Radio, who assists with some of the design work for My Take Radio, check his show out on BornStubbornRadio.com or look up Born Stubborn on iTunes. 411 Mania has always got to get a shout out for all their great news. OC Remix for the music. FilmDrunk.com. Um, definitely Vince Mancini from Film Drunk was a really great guest. He really helped uh, solidify some of the utter shit that Hollywood puts out and the fact that we just refuse to accept it. And we acknowledge the fuckery that Hollywood puts out on a weekly basis. So definitely stop by FilmDrunk.com, show Vince your support, and he also has a Facebook fan page. Look them up on Facebook as well. With that being said, again, I'm Rich. You just heard My Take Radio, episode 45 for Thursday, June 3rd, 2010. I can be emailed at mtrhost at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, follow me, the host, at Twitter.com slash Akuma25, or you can follow the show account, Twitter.com slash MyTakeRadio for any of the news and commentary that are related to some of the show topics, or like I said, you can follow my personal Twitter just to hear all the rambling uh, tweets from a certifiable maniac. Uh, MySpace.com, of course, you can look us up on MySpace.com slash MyTakeRadio, and if you're on Facebook and you're a fan of what we do every week, by all means, head over to Facebook, Facebook.com slash MyTakeRadio, hit that like button, and join the growing army of MyTakeRadio listeners. With that said, I'm Rich, and this is MyTakeRadio in the books for this week. See you guys next week. Peace. Epic NES is going to take us out.